Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by Sean Hooley. Today's news is packed with some cutting edge breakthroughs and some fascinating innovations and some unfortunate news. So Sean, welcome back. And can you tell us a little about what we're going to go over today? Sure. Today's roundup includes earnings reports. That's right. Earnings season is back upon us. Abbott and Johnson & Johnson are two big names that both released theirs today. We've also got news of the first patients treated with Magnus Medical's neurostimulation tech, the FDA clearance of MetaView's augmented reality navigation platform, and a class one recall for Abiomed is TAVR related. So lots of stuff to dig into. And let's just do that. What's the first thing that we should know for today? First thing is that Abbott beat the street in the second quarter and increased its sales growth forecast. So a lot of optimism at Abbott after a strong performance this past quarter. What were the second quarter results and how did those results compare to Wall Street consensus? Abbott recorded profits of about $1.4 billion or 78 cents per share on sales of just about $10 billion for the quarter. That was good for a bottom line slide of 32% and a top line decline of 11.4% compared to the same quarter last year. Adjusted to exclude one-time items, Abbott had second quarter earnings per share of $1.08, which was three cents ahead of Wall Street, where analysts had projected earnings per share of $1.05 and sales of $9.7 billion. And how did its medical device segment perform compared to the other segments? Abbott's medical device business actually saw quite a bit of sales growth, despite the overall slides on the bottom line and top line there. The sales grew more than 14% organically year over year to about $4.3 billion in the quarter. And compared to the other units in the company, we saw a 45% decline in diagnostics, 9.9% gain in nutrition, and a 12.6% gain in established pharmaceuticals. Obviously, that decline in diagnostics is likely heavily impacted by dips in COVID-19 diagnostic sales, which played a big part in Abbott's overall results, but medical device business is definitely on the up. And what are executives at the company betting on in terms of future performance of the company? Abbott is betting on its productive, innovative pipeline. They, They believe it can build momentum, especially in the medical device business. CEO Robert Ford said on the company's earnings call that the underlying demand trends continue to improve. Healthcare systems around the world have improved the supply of healthcare services. So Abbott definitely is optimistic for the future. And we have one more earnings story to go through, and then we can go through some other uh, interesting news. That's right. Johnson & Johnson also beat the street in the second quarter and raised its guidance. Another medtech giant posted significant gains in the past three months. So what were those Q2 results for at least J&J's medtech segment? Well, MedTech posted revenues of $7.9 billion, which was about 12.9% growth year over year. Company overall had profits of $5.1 billion or $1.96 per share on sales of $25.5 billion, about a 6.9% bottom line gain on sales growth of 6.3%. What were the growth drivers for the MedTech segment? Growth drivers for medtech included electrophysiology products in interventional solutions and trauma products in orthopedics. The company also said that wound closure products, biosurgery offerings, and its vision businesses' contact lenses also contributed. So quite a range of technologies contributing to overall growth in the medtech segment. Interesting. And what is the analyst view of the company's second quarter results? 
BTIG analyst Ryan Zimmerman said that he found the second quarter Johnson & Johnson results encouraging. It said specifically within MedTech, Johnson & Johnson expects a stable procedural and staffing environment with normal seasonality throughout the balance of the year with potential for some headwinds in the second half of this year. Let's move on to some other news. First patients were treated in a trial of Magnus Medical's neurostimulation technology for treating depression. So very big step forward for the FDA cleared tech. We heard something similar about this yesterday. So what is Magnus Medical's Saint technology? The platform delivers individualized, rapid-acting, non-invasive neurostimulation to treat adults who fail to achieve satisfactory improvement from prior antidepressant medications in the current episode. The FDA cleared the SAINT platform for treating depression in September of 2022. SAINT combines advanced imaging technologies and personalized targeting and novel stimulation patterns using structural and functional MRI to inform a proprietary algorithm. The algorithm identifies the optimal anatomic target for focused neurostimulation. What is the purpose of the clinical trial? trial evaluates the effectiveness of this SAINT technology for the treatment of major depressive disorder, MDD. It's the first trial evaluating SAINT across multiple sites. So this offers a large sample size of adults to access the treatment. It's got up to nine clinics set to enroll up to a thousand adults in the trial. What is the potential impact of SAINT therapy on the treatment of treatment-resistant depression? So the study's primary investigator, Dr. David Carrion, said that SAINT enables fast, effective, and personalized treatments that offer hope to patients for whom traditional approaches failed. He said it could profoundly change the way we care for those with treatment-resistant depression and could be a model for addressing other conditions as well. What's the next thing that we should know for today? Next thing is that the FDA cleared the MetaView Augmented Reality Visualization and Navigation Platform. Looks like some really innovative technology that could improve efficiencies in the OR. And what is the purpose of that augmented reality-based platform? So MetaView designed the surgical platform for adjunctive use in minimally invasive ultrasound and CT-guided needle-based procedures. That includes procedures for soft tissue and bone. It aims to address the long-standing limitations of medical imaging technologies like 2D imaging that requires practitioners to look away from the patient's procedural site, which can disrupt hand-eye coordination and reduce the clinician's confidence, potentially impacting outcomes. Interesting. And we're seeing this growing trend of incorporating advanced technologies in surgical procedures to potentially enhance surgical precision and efficiency. What are the key features of that platform and how does it work? So it utilizes a Microsoft HoloLens 2 AR headset so that clinicians can visualize ultrasound and displays of other procedural information to facilitate their workflow. It's got a holographic light ray that tracks and displays the path of a physician's instrument, plus CT-based 3D holographic anatomy display, live ultrasound that projects and displays anatomically into the patient as the clinician scans like a flashlight beam. Company said that the system provides visual information and references for the analysis of procedural options during preoperative planning while facilitating workflow and providing enhanced ergonomics to the user. How does the XR90 platform address the limitations of traditional medical imaging technologies? MetaView says that XR90 overcomes those limitations with its 3D X-ray vision, enabling clinicians to visualize the patient's comprehensive internal anatomy in three dimensions underneath their skin. So that includes bone, tissue, organs, and vasculature, all projected in 3D virtual models based on CT imaging. 
It then combines the CT with live ultrasound to perform minimally invasive procedures like biopsies and tumor ablations. Interesting. And now what's the last thing that we should know for today? Last thing is another J&J story, but a little less positive than its second quarter results. Company's Abiomed unit recalled its Impella heart pump again, this time due to TAVR-related reasons. What is the reason for that latest recall, and what is the risk associated with that potential issue? So the issue relates to potential contact with transcatheter aortic valve replacement, or TAVR, implants. Abiumed warns of the potential risk of unintentional interaction of the Impella motor housing with the distal stent of a TAVR device. The outflow struts of the TAVR can enter the outlet opening of Impella, damaging the spinning impeller during repositioning. That may fracture the impeller material and could result in the destruction of impeller blades, potentially leading to low flow from a damaged impeller pump. This is the first communication regarding the issue in the U.S., although Abiumed already issued a warning in Europe, and it's worth mentioning that the product is not being removed from the field and does not need to be returned. It's just a warning. How many complaints related to the complication have been received by Abiumed? So the device correction notice issued by Abiumed says that hasn't identified any events of this actually occurring, but systemic embolization of the fractured impeller material remains a possibility. Abiomed received 27 complaints of this complication, representing about 0.7% of patients with TAVR supported by Impella. Time period for this ranges from 2016 all the way to now, and 25 of the 27 complaints involved the Impella CP model. Did the company provide any comment on this situation? Yeah, a company spokesperson issued the following statement. At Abiomed, our first priority is our patients, including the safe and effective use of our products. On June 14th, 2023, we issued notification to customers regarding the safe use of left-sided Impella heart pumps in patients with a TAVR valve. This notification addresses the potential risk for unintentional interaction of the Impella motor housing with the distal stent of a previously implanted TAVR valve and provides further recommendations on how to position Impella in these patients This notification was not a device removal. The devices remain available, and Impella technology can continue to be used safely in patients with a previously implanted TAVR valve. And with that story that marks five for the Mastervice Fast Five, thanks for coming on, Sean, and giving us all your insights and bringing us all these stories today. My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mastervice website. Check out the show notes at mastervice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. What about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mastervice Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Tuesday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.